0: Welcome to the worship podcast for Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts for Sunday, December 13th, 2020. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector of Grace Church. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome at God's altar at Grace. Speaking of altars, we now have a new outdoor altar made for us by R.J. Pantolina, brother of Rowan Larson. It looks really nice. Last week, as we were setting up for outdoor Eucharist, we put the Advent hangings on it and the fair linen and the candles and the service book, and it just looks super. And then a giant gust of wind came and blew everything, books, candles, linens, right off onto the lawn. Fortunately, the wood on the altar RJ made for us looks great, just as it is.
1: So...
2: his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy.
0: be with you. Let us pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah,
3: chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
4: Those who
2: sowed with tears will reap with songs of joy when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. Then were we like those who dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter tongue with shouts of joy, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses of the
5: Reading from the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything, hold fast to what is good abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
0: Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John, chapter 1, verses 6 to 8 and 18 through 28. Glory to you, Lord Christ. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. "'Who are you?' said the caterpillar. This was not an encouraging opening for a conversation. Alice replied rather shyly, "'I—I hardly know, sir, just at present. At least I know who I was when I got up this morning.' "'but I think I must have been changed several times since then.' "'What do you mean by that?' said the Caterpillar sternly. "'Explain yourself.' "'I can't explain myself, I'm afraid, sir,' said Alice, "'because I'm not myself, you see.' "'I don't see,' said the Caterpillar. "'I'm afraid I can't put it more clearly,' Alice replied very politely, "'for I can't understand it myself to begin with.' and being so many different sizes in a day is very confusing it isn't said the caterpillar well perhaps you haven't found it so yet said alice but when you have to turn into a chrysalis you will some day you know and then after that into a butterfly i should think you'll feel it a little strange won't you not a bit said the caterpillar "'Well, perhaps your feelings may be different,' said Alice. "'All I know is it would feel very strange to me.' "'You,' said the caterpillar contemptuously, "'who are you?' "'Which brought them back again to the beginning of the conversation.'" Before Alice fell down the hole into Wonderland, her life was unfolding in a predictable way. She was a young girl growing up according to schedule, neither three inches, nor one mile tall. These things all changed when she tumbled into Wonderland, leaving her old life and entering the unusual world of talking caterpillars, white rabbits, and mad hatters. I think many of us can relate to Alice in 2020. If we were sure of ourselves back in January, we are less so now. Our worlds have shrunk, but they have also expanded in ways that are unpredictable and strange. The usual landmarks of our identities, our families, what we do for work or school or how we spend our time in retirement, our daily routine, our favorite hobbies, the worlds that we follow in terms of entertainment, sports, or the arts, our volunteer activities and service, even church, that most resistant to change of all institutions, All of these have entered a kind of wonderland period during the pandemic. This is compounded by the painful reckoning around white supremacy and race, justice and democracy that's happening in the United States this year. Our American identity is also open to question. Who are you? Who are we? This advent, like Alice we might answer, I can't explain myself, because I'm not myself, you see. We're going on ten months of disorientation. As Lent is the season of preparation and examination before Easter, so Advent is the season of preparation and examination before Christmas. This year, of course, there is far less to prepare. Parties and travel plans are pretty much cancelled. Those of us who are fortunate to have disposable income are often deciding that this is a better year for charitable donations rather than a big pile of presents, so we may have more time for examination than we usually do. Advent can be, this year, what it was always intended to be, a time to step back, to take stock, to wonder to ponder what it means that God chose to enter human history as an infant. How does God with us help us to answer, Who am I? Both Jesus and John the Baptist used passages from the prophet Isaiah to answer the question, Who am I? In the Gospel of Luke, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus attends synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. And he's invited to read from the scroll and to give a sermon. He reads out the passage we just heard The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has set me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus begins his sermon. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This passage sums up who he is and what he has come to do. He is God's anointed, and he is anointed to proclaim that God's kingdom has arrived with all the healing, liberation, and joy that that entails. This is the what and the why of the Incarnation. This is Jesus' personal mission statement. The world that he was born into was as unjust and broken and exploitive and in need of God's love and healing as ours is today. That is why Jesus came. By the way, nobody cheered at the end of Jesus' sermon. Nobody said, hey, good for you. He caused a great scandal in the synagogue, and he had to get out of there before the congregation decided to stone him. Jesus didn't come to earth to be the biggest nice guy of them all. He came to let all the prisoners out of jail, to pay off everybody's debts, to enfranchise and lift up the put-down and the left-out, and to bring joy and healing to the defeated and the grieving, and to do all this for everyone for free. In our Gospel reading, John the Baptist is asked directly by the religious elite of Jerusalem, Who are you? He mostly answers in the negative. He is not the Messiah. He is not Elijah or another prophet. Like the caterpillar and Alice, this conversation loops back on itself as John's questioners ask again, Who are you? So John, like Jesus, answers in the words of Isaiah I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord. As the Gospel writer says, He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. John is the mirror reflecting the light of the lamp. He is the advance team, the harbinger, smoothing the path for the one who is coming into the world. That's his mission statement. All of us who call ourselves Christians must testify to the light like John. That is what our baptismal promises are about. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? We are asked. To testify is to be a witness. Who will be a witness for my Lord? One of my favorite spirituals asks. We are all called to testify to the light. We are all witnesses to the good news. This Advent is a good opportunity to ask ourselves, for the first time or for the hundredth time, How will we testify to the light? How will we witness to the good news that God is not distant, but is here now with us on earth in everything that we face? This is an opportune time to ask, Who am I? These days a lot of external things have been stripped away. We have a chance to observe ourselves outside of our everyday routines. We have a chance to literally observe ourselves on Zoom. Thank God for hide self-view. But spiritually too, it's a good time to look at ourselves without makeup in our real homes and real lives, in our real relationships. This is a time when we are learning that a lot of what we thought was so important is really not that essential after all. And conversely, Some things that we have taken for granted are essential and vital in ways we had not anticipated before. Who am I? Who are you? Who are we as a community of faith? The Apostle Paul was always giving instructions and advice. He was, to use a wonderful old Latinate word, hortatory, prone to exhortation and direction. Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica is widely attested to be the oldest text in the New Testament. This is the advice and the exhortation that Paul gave to newly founded communities trying to figure out in the earliest days of the church what it looks like to live your life testifying to the light of Christ as a witness to the good news. Not all 2,000-year-old advice ages well, But Paul's does. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul says, Set your default settings to joy, prayer, and thanksgiving. His instructions are simple, but they are not easy. You can't practice this kind of joy, prayer, or gratitude without constantly returning back to the grounding reality of who God is and who you are. God as the source of all goodness and love, who is often hidden but ever-present, and yourself as created in God's image, beloved, and able to share God's love with others. It takes a lot of practice to be able to turn back to these two truths, no matter what. This practice of constant turning is what Christians call conversion. Some churches teach that conversion only happens once in a lifetime. Our Anglican tradition teaches that the Christian life is a continual conversion. Every day we're being converted. Every day we turn towards God. Or sometimes God does the turning of us for us. And then the second part of Paul's advice Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. How do we know what is right? How do we know what we should do or what God's will is for us in a given situation? Paul tells this new group of followers of Jesus to listen for the Spirit deeply and attentively. The early churches were lively with prophecy, women and men proclaiming that they were tuned in to what God wanted from the church, and then announcing these revelations. Paul says, You need to listen to that, don't quench it, but test it, ask questions, go back to the scriptures, talk to the holy people in your lives, the prayerful people, and see what they think. This is good advice for us now in this moment, this difficult advent when we are being tested, when we are not as sure as we were last year of who we are or who we're called to be. It is said that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. Perhaps in these challenging days, when so many things about our lives that seem certain are now in flux, we have a new opportunity To grow in faith and trust in God, we can ask again with less confidence but more openness, Who am I? And we can look first to the light of Christ as we answer, In God's name, Amen. Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed I believe in God He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
3: The Prayers of the People
4: Let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. Watchful at all times, let us pray for strength to stand with confidence before our Maker and Redeemer. That God's kingdom may come with justice and mercy, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God's scepter of righteousness may be established among the nations. We pray for our elected leaders in this time of pandemic economic uncertainty, and partisan division. May they demonstrate a commitment to truth, the common good, and public health. We pray for the global community in these challenging days, especially refugees and asylum seekers, the poor and indigenous peoples. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy that we may seek Christ in the scriptures and recognize him in the breaking of the bread. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God may bind up the brokenhearted, restore the sick, and raise up all who have fallen, especially those on our parish prayer list, those recovering from COVID-19 and those we name silently or aloud. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That the light of God's coming may dawn on all who live in darkness and the shadow of death. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That with all the saints in light we may shine forth as lights for the world. Lord, keep us from harming others through risky or thoughtless choices. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy.
3: We pray that as we await the birth of Christ within our hearts, all our loved ones celebrating birthdays may be blessed, especially Jennifer, Matthew, Beth, Janet. Paul, Cindy, and others we name now. In our parish cycle of thanksgiving, we pray for our parish administrator, Rowan Larson, who uses their gifts of organization to keep things at grace in good order and gives a warm welcome to all who visit. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray that those who have died might have a place in God's heavenly kingdom. Especially John Halfrey and those who we name now. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of our Heavenly Father.
0: Holy God, you have called us to be a source of spiritual restoration and strength. Make us conduits of divine love. Following the example of Jesus, help us to companion the vulnerable, heal division, and confront and dismantle inequality. Give us your grace, now and always. Amen. peace of the lord be always with you
2: and also with you thank you to everyone who contributed to our worship podcast for today we thank the grace church choir featuring section leaders kristen Buabin, diane drost Stephen m and john Yannis, joined today by linda Hosfeld. we also thank our music director and organist chris Hosfeld. thank you to our lectors dory Garing and chris walton and our lay reader, Carol McNally. You can find out more about Grace Church on our website, gracenewton.org. We hope you join us again next week.